0: Welcome to the first episode of the Mending Moments podcast. Real testimonies about real miracles. In this first episode, I had the honor of interviewing Daniel and Tabitha Sparks. You'll hear their amazing testimony here in just a second. And when we start the interview, it kind of the audio just goes right into the first question. So please be patient when I'm still learning all this new technology stuff. I did want to say before we go into the episode, into the interview... Um, If you know anybody that's going through something similar than what you're about to hear with the Sparks testimony, please reach out to them and share this episode with them. Let them know there's still hope and there's still help for them. Thank you and God bless.
1: Um, Daniel, we'll start with you if you want to share. Whenever I was younger, I was probably nine years old, I guess, whenever I I first the Lord first spoke to me and um, and called me, I guess. And um, you know, being young, you really don't know exactly what's going on. But I always heard testimonies from people. You'll know whenever the Lord talks to you. And and I knew that that night that the Lord was talking to me at a nine-year-old boy at a summer revival. And um, you know, my aunt, she'd always ask for prayer for everybody in her family and she you know as, as a young child i'd always get embarrassed for that but that night she was she was sitting right there she didn't have to look at me didn't have to tell me the lord was was speaking to my heart and i knew that i needed to come to him and so that's that's whenever i accepted the lord
0: yeah what about you them?
2: well um I don't know my exact age. I know I was pretty young, probably eight or nine, somewhere around there. And um, I was actually with my dad and stepmom and sister and stepsister. And we didn't go to church a whole lot. Um, But for some reason, um, I remember that we went two Sundays in a row. Because I remember the first Sunday, God was dealing with my heart. And... Like, you know, I didn't go down. I turned it away that Sunday. And I remember going back again the next Sunday. And to me, um, looking back on that now, like I wish my dad and my stepmom was around so that I could ask them. Maybe they noticed that I was under conviction or something. Because it was kind of like out of the normal to go two Sundays in a row. But um, that second Sunday, my heart just felt like it was going to explode. And I couldn't turn it away anymore I, I looked over to my dad and I said I need to go down to the front and I remember before I even got to the altar that heavy burden lifted you know and I didn't understand everything completely then um what really happened I knew God had saved me but you know that's pretty much what happened
0: I got you so part of alls journey is is y'all y'all straight a little bit? Um, would you mind again all the details you want to share? Nothing more, nothing less. But um, would you mind sharing a little bit about
1: about yeah. that? Well, as a as a young boy, you know my my mom and dad. I never knew them to be together. You know that my dad, mom <clears> was divorced <throat> at a young, you know when I was just a baby. But um, my stepdad he would always you know teach us right from wrong do do this do that you can't do this you know and and being saved as a nine-year-old boy i knew that right from wrong what i shouldn't do and i guess from from that age on until i was a freshman in high school i did what a good kid was supposed to do you know I, i didn't get into a whole lot of trouble and then that's whenever i guess the pure pressure or inter- introduction to stuff happened and um i strayed i did things that i i knew i shouldn't have done you know drugs got introduced into my life um it was fun for a little while you know i i, I what people told me not to do you know it was it was fun it was fun for a little while and um you know from I guess from a freshman in high school until I was 21 years old, I I did just about every drug there was, and and uh, um caused a lot of hurt, you know, in, in things. I had a me and I had a daughter at 18 years old, um, and I guess that's whenever where where the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know, I I, I know that that's talking about you know salvation but i i think that that also goes along with our life that we things start to happen you know there's a pay there's a pay you know there's a paycheck for that you know we we have to start paying for our sins the the fun runs out and um you know after losing my mom and and being locked up in jail and just all kinds of horrific stuff you know happened um i damaged every relationship i had my family just about give up on me and um just a just at my lowest point and you know you you see stuff on tv and everything where people you know this is what drugs do to you that's what my life had turned into it was just a total mess and um at 21 years old i i went and cried out for help i being saved as a young child i knew that the Lord was all, every time I did something, I knew I was doing wrong. You know, it. I could push it away with a group of friends around. I could hide it, but when I was all alone, the Lord was always there with me. He says He'll never leave you nor forsake you, and, that, and that's and that's such a true statement. I always knew that I was doing wrong, even though I thought I was having fun. But at twenty-one, the Lord let me know that there was a stopping point, and, and I and I honestly believe that if I would have kept going that death would have found me. I, I I honestly believe that deep down inside of me and the Lord give me an option. He give me life. Um, he let me know not to go any further and that's whenever I found myself. I went to rehab, you know, I wasn't locked up or somebody making me go, I that was, I made that choice to, you know, to follow the Lord and um, I went ended up going to rehab and and the Lord began to work and begin to change my life. And, um, it's probably one of the greatest things that I've, the Lord's ever done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, uh, I guess it's like the prodigal son, you know, I, he, he had fun, but he also came to himself. And I guess this a 21 year old young boy. I will not even call myself a man. then, um, I came to myself and, and I knew that there was better for me to, for me to have. So, um, I made my way to an altar and asked the Lord to forgive me. And uh, just like the prodigal son, I, I didn't expect to have what I have today. I didn't expect to, you know, for the Lord to turn things around. I just wanted to be to be in a better state than I was, you know. And um, and He did that, you know. He He cleaned me up. He He turned me around. And um, just blessed me beyond measure now. So I guess that's. I guess that's my straying moment. My moment. You want to share a type of
2: um, For me, I feel like coming from like a divorced home um, and watching like my dad and my dad's side of the family, they were all like doing drugs and stuff. And then mom, she was for a little while, but um, when she decided to get sober and dad didn't want to and they ended up divorcing, I basically had like, two sides to watch. Like at my mom's house, you know, you know, there was sobriety and a pretty much a normal home. And then over on my dad's side, I still was exposed to all the drug abuse and all that kind of lifestyle. And so for me, something in me always gravitated towards that lifestyle. Um, you know, I had older cousins and, um, stuff like that that had went down those roads and, you know, I... It started slow but just like with a cigarette and then you know drinking here and there and then weed Um, and then you know a little bit after that I started trying like harder drugs and stuff Um, so things just got really bad really quick I guess for me and it wasn't like some of the kids at school like doing it on the weekends like for me it turned into a everyday thing is that's what I wanted to do and yeah. the consequences um started to show up in my life really quick like um I couldn't you know do well in school anymore my family was upset with me I was always causing problems running away um you know that was the beginning of the consequences and that led to you know I couldn't follow the rules at my mom's house so I ended up going living with my dad which was not a good thing because he allowed me to use drugs Um, and that's where I ended up meeting Daniel, um, for the first time when I was 16. And we just, we partied and we did drugs and like I said, it was becoming an everyday thing. Um, you know, the police were starting to get involved. I was getting in trouble criminally, um, and then eventually I got pregnant, um, with Haley. And after that, I knew that I wanted to, I had to change, you know, and sober up. Um, And I did while I was pregnant with her. But it was a very short time after I had her um, that I began to slowly go back into that lifestyle again. You know, I thought, well, I can just smoke weed and I won't do meth or anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, that led to more and more and more. And it's like the saying goes, like, it gets worse and worse every time that you go back and, um, Haley was about two to three months old and DFAX got called in. Um, and they came in the place that I was living and they looked through and they saw, you know, it wasn't suitable for a child. They drug tested me. Obviously I failed. Um, she was immediately taken from me and that's when the, big consequences started happening. And that's when I realized like the, it's not fun anymore. This, this is not fun. I have to, I really have to change, but I couldn't, like I didn't know how and I didn't know where to get help or anything like that. And so, um, then I would go home to my mom's for a little while and try to do it, I guess in my own strength. And say, you know, I'm, I'm going to come here, I'm going to do right, you know, this, that. And then it would just be a matter of time before I was slowly going back. So it was like a back and forth thing. And each time, like I said, it, it really did get worse. Um, and to the point where the drug abuse had went from just like smoking, um, meth, to then shooting it. And that's when things went downhill like way fast. And at that point, there was... No coming back. Like, I just abandoned my family and everybody. I, at that point, I wasn't like trying because I was so ashamed. I couldn't come around them. I was too messed up. So I just kind of like basically just ran off and went MIA. And, um, I guess my aha moment, like, was basically in a short period of time, I lost Daniel, who by this point, um, we had hurt each other to the point where like we were completely broken up we he hated me i hated him like we had just had so much hurt towards one another so i lost him um i had just lost Haley to defects couldn't get her back couldn't stay sober long enough to get her back and then shortly after i lost my dad who was the love of my life he was my everything i was daddy's girl i was the first um, daughter and he Despite his lifestyle, he always showed me love. And um, so he died. They said it was long-term drug use um, at 43 years old. So those three things happened. And I guess that would have been the moment where I realized, like, the three things that I loved the most in my life are completely gone. Like, And that's when I started to say, God, if you're real, even though I had been saved as a little girl, I feel like I had just strayed so far that
0: yeah.
2: I didn't know, like, I I just said, God, if you're real, just change my life. Help me, because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change my situation. And that's when um, I ended up, like, a couple weeks later, getting arrested and going to jail. And that's whenever I grew close to God in there. And he began to change my life.
0: Is that when you started going into rehab? Uh,
2: I spent three months in jail, and then... Um, they released me into a program, mm-hmm. so it was court mandated It was a nine month uh, long program, and I loved it, absolutely loved it because God, while I was in jail, he began to speak to me, and i even though I was saved as a young girl, like he showed himself to me when I was in jail, and I was like oh he he 's real, like this is not <laughs> just some god up in the heavens, like that you know when I die i 'm gonna go be with him this is like I can have a personal relationship with Him in my heart. I can feel the Spirit. I can hear Him speaking to me and telling me things to do. And I wanted to be obedient. And I wanted to do every little thing that He was asking me to do. Um, And it took all those desires of the, the drugs, you know, all that lifestyle. Those desires began to change radically. And so that was the beginning of, you know, falling in love with Jesus. And
0: so... So was it, you went to rehab first, then Daniel, or Daniel then?
2: I had been in rehab for nine months. Yeah, it was about nine months at the point that he came in to rehab. At that time, the whole time I was in rehab, we we didn't talk any, did we? Mm-hmm. I think I had heard about him through somebody, but like personally talking, we didn't have communication. Um, none of that existed
0: between us. So, so. was it a Christian rehab?
1: Yeah. Okay. It was it was a cross based rehab. It, it was it was crazy how it happened because um, some friends of mine were were in trouble and had to go to rehab. You know, and um, I was living with his mom, and she found the Timothy House, which was the Timothy House and Ruth House are like sister yeah. re- rehab, one for boys, yeah. one for yeah. girls. And he was there, and I my whole family, like Tabitha's, or on my dad's side, were just into drugs, you know. My my dad did 15 years in prison, my uncle did a lot of years in prison, and right along that time frame, you know, there was a lot of things going on, and I realized, hey, I don't wanna be, you know, I hadn't been a father to my daughter, so I didn't wanna be trapped in the same cycle that everybody else had had, had. and, and I guess you'd call it running, running for help, or scared to death. I, what, however, you'd want to say it. That's what state I was in. And Tapta had been in rehab, and at that place, and um, her son had got into rehab in the same place. And they, before you could go home, you had to go to church. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I knew that I I had to do something. So I I couldn't wait to go to church. You know, and. I walked in that church, I never saw her, you know, the whole time that we were in there, I, I didn't see her. And I was just, we saw each other at the end of service, but, you know, I guess that's the point whenever I, I we talked for the first time in, I don't know, a year or maybe a year and a half or, or somewhere, I don't know how long it exactly had been, but, and I told her, I said, I need help, you know, I want to I be a father to my daughter, you know, At that point, it wasn't about me and her, you know, working things out or anything, really. I just, I wanted to be a father to my daughter, and I knew that I needed to change the way I I was, you know. And when I asked for help, I didn't realize it was going to happen that fast. And I don't even know if I was quite ready as I thought it was, you know. Oh, yeah. It just happened really fast, and, you know, I I was in, I guess that was, it was on a Christmas morning. It was... It was on the 25th. It was actually on Christmas. It was crazy. We were just at church this past Sunday, and I thought how crazy it had been. It's been a long time since church, you know, fell on Christmas Day, and uh, it's all just r- runs back into your mind. Like I was a mess as a 21 year old pulling into a church parking lot as a 37 year old. You know, you 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 go back and you think how how could this happen? It, it only happens when the Lord intervenes into your life, you know, and um, so I, follow, I followed her. She had really, I guess, is how it, how it all went down. You know, she was already walking with the Lord and even though I knew the Lord, she was, she had a good relationship with the Lord then. Is there anything you want to share about in the rehab, the process
0: that affected you, that kind of turned you around or
2: I loved rehab personally. Everybody, or a lot of people that go to rehab, you know, they go and it's like hard and you know, you're not used to being told what to do and you know, they don't like all having to be obedient to leadership and stuff, but I actually really loved it. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me and I look back now and like those are some of my most favorite moments with God ever. Just the friendships that I made there, the uh, relationships with the girls, we'd get together and have prayer every single night we just we bonded together and then we grew in God and it was something that an experience that I will forever hold in my heart
1: so what, what about For, the men's well area you know whenever you when you realize you need help and I told you the circumstances with my family and how you know the police were getting involved and you know they were all going to jail and, and ultimately end up doing a lot of prison time. I, whenever I got there, I realized that was the hardest, it was really the hardest thing I'd ever done, you know, because up until I was, up until I was in high school, I was okay. I did everything anybody told me to do. I was a pretty good, pretty good kid overall, you know, but from that period on, I didn't have any rules. I just did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do them. And I guess that was the hardest, hardest part for me. You know, I'd learned to walk and talk a certain way and and do whatever I wanted to do. And then when you have somebody telling you what you can and can't do, I didn't like it. You know, I was in a safe place. But then I really didn't have the, you know, she loved it from the beginning. It was, I gotten the pastor there he told me whenever i graduated rehab he said how does it feel to be the most least likely to succeed that's how bad off i was you know i was just in trouble rebellious still but you know i guess the i guess about a few months in we used to all what we used to always gather every morning and we'd all hold hands and we would pray and they would listen to worship music and stuff and i i just i never really Interacted in that, you know, I would sit, I would sit in there, and I would listen to what they were saying, and and I guess I seen a lot of people coming in and out all the time. So, so then whenever doubt sets in, is this really gonna work, you know? But um, I remember praying in a room one night, just in there and saying, "Lord, I don't want to be coming in and out of this. I want, I, I want to serve you, you know." And from, I guess, from that moment on. A few months in, I couldn't tell you exactly when it was. The next morning, whenever I went in there and we all held hands and prayed, I talked to the Lord, you know, <laughs> and and uh, I knew everything was going to be all right from that point on. And then from that point, I just was led by the Lord, you know. It didn't hurt my feelings to be told something to do and just to do it, you know. Um, so it was it was quite the experience, but I got to learn more about the word the word came alive and started growing from that point on i guess
0: so y'all I, at this point y'all have been out of church i'm guessing you know, yeah doing during all that uh so was it taff did you go back to church first then daniel and would you mind sharing that experience about how coming back into the the church house is it, that the same one you went to right they knew you and can well, do. the
2: rehab that rehabs that we went to, yeah. um it was actually founded by a drug dealer, um ex-drug dealer and God okay. had changed his life. He first planted a church. Okay. Through that church, um birthed the rehabs, the brother sister rehabs. So we attended church every single Sunday okay. and Wednesday um in those programs. Like okay. so we straight from the time we started rehab, we were in church.
0: Okay. I so, got gotcha. you. I okay oh uh, um, well i know that i've heard part of your testimony daniel about going back to to salem uh, do you mind you well, know, sharing that
1: you know salem was salem all Taptha's this family you know my family went to church over in cherokee county and but we moved up here Taptha's this family we when we got married and got out of rehab you know you would think everything would be easy it, it wasn't it wasn't quite that easy. I had a job. The recession hit. Wasn't getting paid. You know, she was working in the ministry, working at the rehab. She wasn't getting paid. And so the stresses of getting out and being freshly married and having having a young daughter, you know, three years old, four years old, that started weighing in on us. We couldn't pay our bills. You know, the stresses of life just started mounting up on us. And her her uncle and aunt offered us a place, said, come up here, we got a house, you can stay here until you get on your feet, you can find a job, you know, save you some money where you can, you know, start working towards building your family. And so that's what brought us up to the Lonega. And I, her Nana had always been to Salem when we were younger, we'd go in there. But this whole time, you know, her Nana was raising Haley, so, and took her to that church every Sunday so for us to walk in there you know people look at you you know they know where you've been you know it you know they kind of look at you funny but whenever I walked in there you know the Lord had changed me and I was moved past it and I was excited to be there where even though they knew everything that I had done you know I didn't really care you know I didn't if they were looking at me, I never knew it. I didn't feel that way. So, but when we, we went in there, I, you know, I just felt at home. Um, all her family was there, and you know, I was just excited to have a fresh start. Things were starting to go good for us, um, and to go in there and face—I guess—face people. You know, people. People always, you know, hear that you changed or whatever, and there's always that doubt in their mind. It, and, uh, hey, I'm just guilty, you know, I can't say nothing about it because we're all, we're all that way. We're waiting mm-hmm. for the shoe to drop, you know, but going in there and worshiping with them and I feel like it's been an exciting time in my life. You know, I, as a 16-year-old boy walking in there with my pants sagging down with a bunch of jewelry hanging off of me to now being the pastor, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's crazy, but... Um, Whenever I went in there, I just, I felt at home, so. um, um
2: I think for me, well, when we moved here to the and stuff, um, like you said, everybody knew our past and stuff. And I guess it took me a little bit of time for God to work some things out in my heart. I had a lot more shame. I feel like being um, a bad mom and stuff like that, I couldn't, I didn't forgive myself for a while. And so I toted around like kind of like shame and stuff. So for me coming to church up there, you know, we had discussions about it. I really didn't want to go into an environment that everybody knew every little thing about. I almost wanted like a fresh start, like people that didn't know our story. But I'm glad everything worked out the way that it did because uh, I know that um, God has grown us tremendously, especially Daniel um, in that church and with the people there of that church and they've done nothing but like love on us from mm-hmm. day one and um so
1: it's been really good. I I think it's just like somebody, you know, it's to stay in church it takes work, you know. It 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 does, you know, you you have to sacrifice, you know, your time, your efforts, you know, the world would tell you just to to go and have fun, do this or do that, keep you busy, but you know to to go into church you know and, and to worship with people it takes work and it and it builds your faith and being around people that that loved you you know i that's what i i loved about the church tap his uncle was there and he was he was more like a dad to me uh, the whole time that we were off and i guess the getting out of church, it's hard to go back because people are going to look at you and mm-hmm. say that. And I think that's what Tapta that dealt with. But the whole time that we were out doing what we were doing, that there was people up there on their hands and knees praying for us. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's what's drawn me to that, you know, that, yeah, that I had to deal with the shame and people probably were looking at us, but there was also people there praying that the Lord would work things out in our life, and he did, so...
0: That's one thing that's, to me, it's, it's amazing about the story of the prodigal son. The father saw the son afar off, <laughs> and he could have stood on that porch and have him do the complete walk of shame and stood there tapping his toe and said, what'd I take? No. What'd I tell you happened, happen, son. But he didn't. He ran out. He met him. He kissed him, and he brought him back in as a son. Not, not He just wanted to be a servant. Yeah. Uh, but he brought him back in as a son. So, yeah. so coming back, we, we, we shared all this. So you were called into the ministry. Would you mind... Share a little bit about that, Daniel.
1: Yeah, I, um, I mentioned about getting in the in the circle and praying. You know, that became I could talk to the Lord, and and I got, I guess that's the first time that somebody ever said, "Are you sure you're not a preacher?" You know, after I was praying, and I was like, "No," you know, I'm not a preacher. Um, I I, I guess that was the first time somebody said that, and and I guess. I would. I was so excited for what the Lord had done for me. Whenever I'd get into church and somebody would say, "Does anybody got anything on their heart?" I, I would stand up. The Lord had done so much. Mm-hmm. I felt like that I had to, you know. Yeah. And I would, I would testify. And people would meet me outside and they're like, "You're running from your calling." I'm like, "No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm just excited to be here. Yeah. You know, and and what the Lord's done for me." But, um, I guess that people always telling you that, you know, it's, it's back in your mind. And, and I guess the Lord had began, I can't remember what year it was, but the Lord had been speaking to me and, you know, telling me basically I was, I needed to preach. And, and I, and I was like, well, am I just doing this because people have told me this, you know, and there was a conflict. I wouldn't call it running. I've heard a lot of my friends say they ran and, you know, they had all these heartaches and and you know, stuff and running from the Lord. I, I don't feel like I ran from the Lord that long, but I, I do feel like that the Lord I was working it out. You know, with him. Are you sure this is what I'm supposed to do? And one night in revival, it just got bigger than than I could be. You know, it. The Lord. I remember a boy that I love at Salem. He he was he came down to pray and the Lord was dealing with me so much about preaching. Like I couldn't get anywhere. You know, I, I couldn't get down and pray for him because I, I had this stirring in me what I was supposed to be doing. And, um, I remember getting down and I couldn't pray for him. I was telling him my own stuff, you know? And I, I said, I said, Lord, I will get up and I will tell it just as soon as I get up from here. And, um, he got done praying and, Thank God it wasn't on me to help get him through, you know. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he stood up and he said, the Lord saved me. And I give in to the Lord that night. I, when it come out of my mouth, I thought, oh, Lord, what have I done? You know, everybody was so excited. And I remember yeah. I remember being so scared yeah. to death, like, how am I going to do this? And um, I remember Taptha coming home and she, she was excited everybody was excited she was calling everybody in the phone book and we went downstairs for her to tell her nana or, or something and i remember being over in a corner cropped down crying like a baby i was scared to death and um all of them you start questioning is that the right thing am i really going to do it and the next the next day i had to pre- i had to preach and i've always struggled you know I couldn't read good. I, I I couldn't. Even to this day, I I can't write good. You know, I'm just. I guess you call me backwards. It, it's probably what people think about me. But, um, I remember saying, "Lord, I can't read. How am I supposed to?" And I remember him just speaking to me and saying, "I'll be with you." You know, and it's funny how we're talking about the prodigal son because I remember saying, I don't even know, what, what am I supposed to preach about? You know, I, I didn't want to go to somebody and ask them, hey, what do I do? You know, but the Lord led me. He said, you know about this, you preach this. Mm-hmm. And um, and from that point on, you know, I wish I could say every time that I've stood, I've been right where I needed to be. Um, but the Lord has been been good to me and he, Whenever I've asked, he's always given me exactly what I need, you know. So it's been probably one of the best things that a lot of people have accomplishments in life, and I don't even know if you can call that an accomplishment, but it's my greatest joy is to is to stand and and proclaim the gospel.
0: So, to share the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you remember about that night, Daphne?
2: Mm, I know that everybody, like he had said had been coming to him, are you sure you're not called to preach? Because he would always get so excited in church. And even though everybody had said that, I didn't think that. I was totally blindsided. When he announced his call to preach, my mouth was probably hitting the floor that night. I, I was <laughs> probably the only one in there that was shocked. And so, um, I don't know, maybe God left me in the dark for <laughs> a reason about that. But he had announced his call to preach to be a deacon also a few years prior to that, and I was in the dark about that also. I was completely shocked. I did not see that coming, so... But it was a joy, um... And just always going back to, like, where we came from and remembering, because as time goes by, you know, it's not as traumatic. It doesn't stand out in your head as much. It almost seems like a dream, like our past. Like, was that really us? Like, did we really go through that? And so, but... When God does something like that and called him to preach, then you really get taken back and you just remember just how far God has brought you from. Mm-hmm. And then it's amazing to me. Like my first time hearing him preach, um, I I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I was in amazement of what God has done for us and what God was doing like through him. So it it was something I'll never forget.
0: So how's how's that journey been? I mean, you now it's your calling. Now you're. You're pastoring the same church. I mean, how's how, how's those wheels turned to get get that far? Uh,
1: <laughs> or can you even recollect all I, that? <laughs> I, no. Whenever they asked me to to be the pastor, you know, we our pastor had left, and we'd all get up there and pray. And <coughs> um, and one night, one of them just looked at me and said, "Do you have a burden for this church?" And I. And like Tapa said, being a deacon of that church, you have a burden for the church. You're you're always wanting the church to succeed, and you love the people, and you want. But I, I told them, I said I don't think a, I don't think a member can pastor a church. Mm-hmm. And they said, they said, well, where'd you get that? I said, it's got to be in there. I said, how can you mm-hmm. pastor a church that you belong to? You know, and I I just had mixed I had mixed feelings about that, and. Um, so I didn't tell him I told him I said, I'm going to have to pray. And so I, I would get along and I would, I was begging the Lord just to give me a sign. You know, mm-hmm. where's the burning bush? Something, mm-hmm. just give me a sign that I know, that I know, that I know. And that rocked on for several weeks. And when we'd meet to pray, nothing. You know, nobody would, they'd say, well, we'll get somebody to preach. You keep praying. And, um and we had some friends that belong to a church up in North Carolina and, and you know, the past two pastors up there have been members of there. And I, and I thought if a man with that much pa- get up and stand with that much authority and the power of the Lord, you know that if the Lord ain't in it, then nothing's going to happen. And, and I, I thought, well, Lord, is it, am I supposed to be the pastor of this church? And, um, you know, I never saw the burning bush. I I never really, you know, never heard an it. audible, audible yeah. voice or, or nothing. But the longer it went on, I I felt I felt like you know I do have a burden. You know, to to preach and and to do it. And it's it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done because you stand before people. A salvation message is easy, but whenever there's a get right message that comes along with it, it's not always you know, easy, easy services and easy things that the Lord tells you to do, but um, it's, whenever I give in, you know, and, and started pastoring, you know, the, I have a heart for the kids, and, and it's, it's been good. I know that the Lord has been in it, you know, in the season in my life that I've, and I don't know, I can't remember how long we've been doing it up there, three years. so three years, so it's. You know he's he's blessed and he's he's done things so it's been good. So
0: so what are you tap? How does this all these wheels turn and how's that affected the uh, the wife side of of this?
2: Well, at his ordination, um, like I was so pumped about him announcing his call and everything, and but I I kept having um, pastors' wives approach me and say, "Honey, I'll be praying for you." It's going to be okay. And like, almost like that it was a bad thing or, you know, and at that time I was just like, it was all new to me. I had no idea why they were saying that like that, you know. You're
0: thinking he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, am I like, yeah. Why are you saying yeah. that
2: to me? Like, this yeah. is a great thing. I'm so excited about all of this. But now as more time has passed by and he's, you know, been pastoring, I see now like why they were, you know, being thoughtful or saying that they were going to pray for me. Um, because it's not always easy. And especially I feel like, um, going into your home church with people you've been around for 15 years, every one of them shows so much love and everything like that. But somehow it changes like your place in the church and you feel, I feel like a a more of a responsibility than ever. And all that can, it can become stressful sometimes, you know, um, But it's also been a huge blessing and just watching like, you know, him grow, our kids grow, our church grow, different seasons, things that happen, Mm -hmm. like it's all been a joy. So, you know.
0: So you you mentioned kind of going back when you first announced your call and reaching out to a friend. So if we could, let's go back to the friends you had when you strayed and when you all you know, before y'all went into rehab, that whole ripple effect, did y'all going into rehab help bring some? You said you, some of your friends came into rehab, Daniel, and that mm-hmm. brought you in. Was there a continued ripple effect? Uh, you mentioned about how the women bonded in the, in the uh, what was the female side of things? The, the Ruth right. house. Ruth, okay, it's so Timothy yeah. and Ruth. Yeah. So in the Ruth house, y'all bonded. So what kind of ripple effect was there, and, and was there some that just weren't receptive? They said, you know what, I want to stay here. I, I don't want to go that route.
1: Yeah, I had, I had, I had so-called friends, you know, um, back then that would, you know, that would come and see us at church, you know. Nobody, you just couldn't go off with people, but you know, church was open to everybody, you know. So they would come and they would try to persuade me to come out, you know, with with drugs, you know, giving me money. We'll get you, you know, and. Uh, I'm glad I never got into that. You know, I was, I was there. I wanted my life to be straightened out, but I just left, I just left all those, those friends. You know, I didn't, I get, I didn't try to reach out to them or or really anything. I was more focused on me and for, for years now, you know, I still got some that I, that I talked to, you know, I don't hang out with them, but I'll I will I'll talk to them and and stuff like that. But um, really, not many people came in with me. Um, and but now that I now that I've grown and I've been able to share my story, I've got friends that you know I've invited to church and they've came and they've you know still they're not in church and serving the lord but they they've come into the doors you know and invite them in I guess once you get to a place where you can stand on your own two feet you know it's easier to witness to people and, and to tell them that but you know leaving leaving all my old friends I think you have to do that you know you have to um the bible says you know you're going to leave your father and your mother and and you're going to follow after me and I think that uh people that come from our past and that in that scene you can't I don't think that you can mingle at first you know you can't ride the fence it's, it's just too crucial of a moment in your life to to be hanging out with the same people because me and Tether were just talking about this the other day we're all just one choice away from being right back where we were, you know? So you have to be rooted in your faith and know what you're going to do. And even, even now being clean for 15 years, like me and ta- she was talking, when we were on our little trip, you know, I wouldn't want to be left alone in a room with somebody that I used to hang out with back in those days, because you know, the, the devil, he knows what, how to get us mm-hmm. you know he got Eve in the garden just like that she knew that she shouldn't have done that and and, I, and then adam followed right along with her so you know i'm i'm not above anybody else so i i would i would witness to my friends and i would tell anybody about the gospel and all that but i would not not want to kind of get back in the in the groove of hanging out with my old friends. And, you know, I, I love them and I pray for them and I would love to see all of them on invite them to the church and all that. But I think I had to leave that part of my life and, and the Lord has blessed me with all kinds of new friends and all my family. I, I uh, I've got to be in church with, with my dad. My dad was in prison most of my life and he, uh, talking to your family coming from a place where we've come from it's the hardest thing you will ever do and my dad was in prison for the. i guess i guess he was 16 years old when he got out of prison um tia was just was a newborn when he first went in the last time and so they never knew their grandpa really well they knew him but they didn't know him like a grandpa should be known and um i would invite him to church and stuff and i would get the church to pray for him because I never got to hear him say that he was saved and a lot, he got out and he did good. You know, he wasn't on drugs anymore. He wasn't, um, but I got to be in church with him, invite him to church. And that was one of the hardest things that I I had done. And he was so proud to, you know, tell people that I was a preacher and all that, but to invite people, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, uh, because, you get in it's guilt shame you know you know how people are going to look at you it's kind of odd feeling but um i got to invite him to church and he when he passed away you know i wanted i went in there in that room and i i said i need to know if you're okay and he just said i'm okay but he never i said are you saved and he never would say he was saved you know so i i live with that thought in the back of my mind, and then I play it into friends like, I need to tell them, mm-hmm. you know? But there's a fine line, I think, of, of how to do that, you know? So, um, I think it's, it's hard not to get righteous and stuff like that. And I feel like that's where we are. And I'm guilty of it, just like anybody else. You get your life right, and the Lord's blessed, and He's done everything. Like the Baptist was telling me we need to tell people we need to share everything but we, I get in this reclusive thing you know it's it's kind of hard I don't want to ever I don't want to ever get in a situation like I was in you know I'm kind of guarded um, but we need to tell everybody just like doing this who knows what, what this could reach or help yeah. I hope this helps everybody in the in the world really but um we need to tell our friends and our family about the lord and the power that there is in him so
2: um i think like when you're in rehab they um they like embed it into you that you have to change your playground and your playmates and so in the beginning of god changing our life we did it, for me it wasn't go back and like tell everybody that i used to run around with and and you know um you have to kind of hold you know hold your distance from everybody so that you don't get sucked back in mm-hmm. you know um but over the course of the past 17 years i have got to witness god um, kind of use our story um uh to you know i guess give somebody else hope like you know people that we used to run around with or whatever they've come to me down the road and they said you know i've watched you grow with god i've seen that your life has been changed i didn't really believe you in the beginning i didn't think you would ever change but now after years look i see that you know your life is changing how recently i had a girl actually last year um that i used to do drugs with she came and she said you know how did God change your life? Like, how did you do it? Like, how did you get saved? Like, she didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. But yet, she had stood back and she had seen over the years that it was real, you know. And she knew that we were all on the same place as her and that if we could do it and God could change our lives, she saw some hope in that. So, um, there's been lots of people like that over the years that we've got to, you know, witness to or... um watch God change their lives, you know, personally, some family members, um, I told you that my dad's side of the family, almost every single one of them had either a (coughs) drug, um, or alcohol problem, just a lot of dysfunction and stuff, and I've got to see several of my cousins and aunts and uncles, like, their lives get radically changed, um, and live for God, and get off drugs, and, you know, even, you would never think that they would change their life. Even one of them's married to a police officer now. The chief of police in Forsyth County, it's just amazing what God can do. And like, you know, back then you would never think that that girl would be married to a police officer, that God would do all this wonderful stuff in our, Mm -hmm. you know, family's lives. So it's been good getting to see all that.
0: So you don't mention uh, changing the playmates. So you talked about how you do need to take some time and not, you know how Christian church a lot of churches do. They get saved. Hey, congratulations! God's on your side. Go face the devil. Yeah. and they're a spiritual infant. So you gotta take time and mature, which is yes. Very, so how how has God helped y'all in y'all's life by bringing new people in? You said you had to keep change your playmates. So
1: yes.
0: if you want to talk on that a little bit about how. People that God has brought into your life To help you mature, grow, get stronger
1: To go back and face that old crowd You know I I believe that I believe now that I, I'm 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 strong In the Lord because You know people like Tapta's Uncle Robert And yeah. uh, you know Our Sunday school Teacher Mike Ferguson and Doug Loggins and a lot of a lot of people that were influences in my life that were all way older than me. um, You know, that, you know, kind of give me the encouragement and and stuff and and to help me grow in the Lord. And, um, but Andrew, to be honest with you, I, I, to go to church with them, I don't know if I'd ever could go, you know, I can face them. My whole family, you know, we've been to, all kinds of family functions where, you know, there's still some people that are, that are, you know, on drugs that know that we're, that we're living right. But I don't, I don't know how to go back to them. Even, even now it's been 15 years. And it's funny, we're doing this right now because me and her were just talking about this the other day. It It's so hard to, for me and I don't know if I've just guarded myself and my kids and you know tried to protect everything that everything that every tool that I have tried to to show them the way to go I I'm, I still don't know if I'm if I'm that strong to go back in 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 a one-on-one setting to to be there I I think the Lord will be there with me always and I, I and I have a, I have faith in that for sure but um I should be more willing to 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 do that, you know. I like, like me and Tyler were talking. Like, the Lord has done so much for us, and and I guess I just need to lean on Him a little more and say, Lord, Lord what do I need to do? Um, and I think doing something like this is maybe the first step. You know how ironic it is that we're we're doing this now. Me and her were just talking about it, but um, but I think I am. I said I didn't think I was strong enough. I am strong enough. I can do all things through the Lord. He, he's the one that strengthens me. He's the one that keeps me every day. It's not nothing of my own that I'm doing. Um, he's the one that's doing it. So, you know, I, I guess I need to put down the guard a little bit and, and be more willing to to go out to people. and Because my heart is for the broken people, that there is a way... Jesus is the only way he will lead you how is he going to lead you exactly what steps you need to take and all that I I can't I can't be the one to tell them that but I can tell them what how he did in my life and yeah. and and helped me and I think about all the people that I've that I've lost and you know I lost my mom I lost my sister my dad just recently died you know those are you know, so you gotta think. You're other than my brother. You know, my pretty much everybody in my family's gone. You know, and and um, and I should have, I could have been a little lot more of a lot to my sister. Um, she died of a drug overdose, just not very many years ago. I I could have done more. Taps has always said we should have helped her more, and we should, you know. And there's people dying every day. You in, in a bad state, and we need to do more to help them. We
0: we're going. We're going to get to uh, that portion here in a second. So, Tabitha, would you like to comment on how God has brought more people, new people into your life, or had had friends go with you on this journey?
2: Um, a lot of the girls from rehab, um, we've all stayed in contact. Um, there's been quite a few of them that goes back, and I think kind of just to lightly touch on what daniel was saying is you know 17 years of sobriety and we have seen almost every one of our friends go back and relapse so um i think that's why when he's like talking about being guarded and stuff like that because you never know like one little thing and you could be right back to it you know and so but over the years i've stayed in um, contact with all the girls that I graduated the program with and then um, our new church family are like coming to Salem and over the years we've had, we've got to experience um, several different pastors and their wives and their mm-hmm. kids and, you know, that's been our source of connection and um, and then family members too. You know, I'm blessed to be able to say that almost not every single one of my family members are saved living for God, but a good amount of them are, you know, um, so those are the people that I stay connected with.
0: All right, so if if you could say something to someone right now that was in y'all's shoes, and I know the first step to any, solving any problem is admitting you have a problem, so if someone has listened to this and has hit their, come to themselves moments that I need to get out of this lifestyle or it's going to kill me, what would you tell
1: them right now? what i would tell them is is to pray first of all i think prayer changes everything and you ain't got to be kneeling at an altar to pray you know the lord knows <laughs> he can do he can change you he mm-hmm. spoke to me um in a drug house you know i knew that i shouldn't be there um but pray and get to a church i i, I won't say get to a rehab i I think if you went to any church, that's a true church. Now I, and I believe there's a lot. I don't think just Salem or just the little Baptist churches around here. I I believe there's a lot of churches over this land that if you walked in and said I need help, there would be a lot of people there to help you. Um, point you in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and if I could ever be that for anybody, I would, I would do it in a minute. You know, I would give people a phone number or whatever you know to try to point them in a way and and i think i think rehab is a tool that i rehab didn't change me the lord changed me but a good faith-based rehab would would get you grounded in the word and and get you pointed in the right direction because the word is what keeps us where we need to be keeps us where we need to go It's the living word and so getting that in you and and building a relationship with the lord that's that's the steps that you need to take you know and however else it plays out after that um i believe when you got the lord with you guiding you then you will you will be just fine what about what about you teth from
0: a female point of view they've hit the rock bottom said i need to get out of this lifestyle What would you say to Uh,
2: I kind of second what Daniel says Uh, definitely pray and even my prayer uh, Looking back when I cried out to God. I didn't even full-heartedly believe That that anything was gonna happen. It was just desperation. I was at the lowest point and I needed help I didn't know what else to do and so but even my kind of faithless prayer that I prayed to God he still heard it Mm -hmm. and I got arrested and went to jail and in that moment I didn't know that was an answered prayer but now looking back I can say oh that was God answering my prayer he was getting me in a safe place so number one just cry out and ask God to help you get you out of that situation and I like what Daniel said about finding a church and stuff um, because honestly that never went through my mind when I was on drugs and, and looking for help I remember we would go to the drug dealers house and I was so desperate for change I would literally ask the drug dealer, Hey, do you know how I can get some help? Mm-hmm. Do you know where I can where I can go? But it never entered my mind to like go to a church, so I really like that. So that because if any church is gonna be able to point you in the right mm-hmm. direction and you're gonna need like a support around you, you know, to to get you going in that mm-hmm. right way. Everybody's circumstances are different, you know. Some people have a lot of family that can help. Some people have no family. One of my best friends, she literally hardly had any family to help her through her process. So, she needed friends. She needed leaders in a church and stuff like that. So, um, I would say that's a really good idea to do that. And then to surrender. Um, that's, like, I think the biggest thing is if you've been saved and you just strayed away and... Uh, you know, you're not living right, but you want your life to change. Just start getting in your word and listening to God. And even the little small things that He asks you to do, step by step, just surrender to Him and follow those little things. And slowly, um, He will lead you in the direction that you need to go. And it's going to take time. Your life will not get thrown back um, all together like overnight. You know, it took a long time to mess your life up, so it's going to take a little while. But just stick with it and stay focused on God, and He will you know change the inside, and then the outside begins to change too,
0: so yeah, trust the process yes, yeah.
2: trust the process
0: so we we went through um, questions or advice you'd give somebody that was in the same situation. What advice would you give to a non-believer not so much battling addiction, yeah, they could have, but what would you what advice would you give to somebody that questioning? Is there a God? Is Jesus really who they say he is?
1: I've I've been asked I've had people, you know, whenever they find out you're a preacher, I, I've tried not to go around advertising that. You know, some people might look at that and say that's wrong or whatever. But once they find you out and then they start asking you all these questions, you know somebody once told me, um a story of, of talking to somebody and, and they were questioned, is there a God? And, and, you know, for us that have a relationship with the Lord, it's not like me and you sitting down talking right now. You know, I, you have to be in the Spirit and be led. You know, He's, He's moving you and, and He's speaking to you in ways, you know, I, I felt like sometimes it's been so real just like me and you talking, but am I hearing a voice? I'm hearing it with my heart. Um and and it's and it's just as real to me to to hear that as me and you were here talking, but they were talking and he said, How can you believe in a God if there's a God that would take your loved ones that would mm. let this circumstance yeah. happen, let kids die with cancer, or, you know, all all these all the bad things that we deal with in life and that I don't understand. I couldn't begin to tell you why all that happens or whatever, but At the end of the day, whenever the Bible says that um, we're all going to die, you know we're not. None of us are going to make it out of this thing alive. The man told him. He said, "For me to come to the end and it just be the end, nothing afterwards." And I've lived my whole life with blessings and and faith and believing that there is something else. I, I have a, my life's been fulfilled. And he said, but on the flip side, what if you die and you realize everything that I believe is real? Then life for you is hell. People don't like to hear that, but you live your life and you've had opportunity to, to say, Lord, if you're real, show me. Like Tapta said, show me. He will show you. and And I guarantee you that you're going to be you're going to be a lot better off, you know. I read in the Bible where the streets are gold and the walls of jasper. All, all these. That's not really what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to my Lord and Savior, the one hung on a cross and that died for me, and that I believe with my whole heart that He has done that for me. To get to Him and worship Him forever, and and be there where there will be no more. My Bible tells me there will be no more tears. There'll be no pain. There'll be no need for me to pray anymore. I won't have a burden anymore that I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be there to rest and um, from this journey that I've been on. You know, I, I'm going to be where I long to be. And I, I think that that's, that'll put it in perspective that we're all going to stand in judgment. We're going to give an account, my Bible says, for everything. All the good that I've... What little bit of good that I've tried to do and the bad that I've done. I'm going to give an account... And so, when that day comes, you know, I, I want to be able to stand there and take it, however it's going to be, um, and for him to say enter in, and for me to be able to go in, I couldn't imagine to hear depart from me. You know, I, that 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 would that would tear me to pieces. So, but that's what somebody that doesn't believe is going to hear, and that's what I would say to them. Because whenever you're all alone, that's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. When we all, I believe everybody has can question it. You know, I, I I I've had points where I've questioned it a little bit. Um, but when we all, when we get there, you know, and you get older, you may live to be ninety years old, but eventually our days are gonna come down to the end. We're gonna get sick. We're gonna die of natural causes. Something is gonna get us down, and I believe that that conversation will always be in their mind. And then that they could, they'll cry out to the Lord. So, I would I would tell them that you know, what if you're wrong, and what if I'm right, you know, that's what I would say to them. Um,
2: for me, I would say, um, just ask the Lord, and He will show you. He wants to. We're all his children, whether we've accepted him into our heart or not. The one who's who's lost and not accepted him yet, he's earnestly going to try to chase after your heart, and he wants you to know him. So, if you will um, just ask him um, somehow, some way, he will show you. And you know, get in your word, open your Bible, and ask God not ask God to. to come alive in that word. And not not let it just be like reading like a regular book. Like he will actually come alive and he will speak to you personally in his word. So if you have questions, you have doubt. And we all have, even as a saved um, person, I've had, I've had doubts. The enemy is always wanting to throw doubt at you. And um, so I can understand having doubts and questions and stuff. And there's a lot of things that we don't understand on this side and we never will. Um, if you're thinking you're going to figure everything out, then that's not how it's going to be. But just just ask him, and he will definitely show you because he showed me. And um, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Yeah. So.
0: And adding one thing in there again, find find a, a good church yeah. yes. with true believers that can help answer those million dollar questions that nobody no. nobody can answer. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you had a soft spot in your heart for. For, for children, for the youth, and y'all have two teenage girls, what advice would y'all give to teenagers, kids going into middle school up, even your own daughters? What advice would y'all have to say, here's some red flags, or don't do this, or, you know, hey, do do this, avoid that. What, what advice would y'all give just overall?
1: You know, we've been very open with our kids. They know exactly, you know, if Haley remembers what, what all happened, she's never, it's like it it wasn't that, you know, she wasn't up in age, but whenever we got things right, she was still young, but, you know, we've been very open with them to tell them, you know, then they know that what we've been through and the, you know, the consequences for the things that we've done. Um, But My biggest prayer for them is, is not to have to endure what I did because being saved at a young age and being brung up, my, my grandma raised me, but I knew right from wrong and I knew what I should do and what I shouldn't do. You know, whenever you're young, you, you think you've got it all figured out. You need to listen to your parents. You need to listen to your pastor you know, people that have an influence on your life that care about you, you need to listen to what they have to say because you can avoid a whole lot of the trauma that me and Tape went through. The best testimony I think that anybody could ever say was I was raised in church, my mom and dad brought me upright, and I've tried to follow the Lord where none of us are perfect. You know... uh, we all sin we all come short there's things that we're going to mess up and things that we're going to do but you can live for the lord and not have as many trials that and the tribulations that i've been through that were self-inflicted you know you're going to have enough on your own just walking and trying to do everything right much less you know throw in something like that so you know to you don't have to and have some kind of big testimony. I'm thankful for my testimony, but for my kids, if I live and they have kids to hear them get up in church one day and say, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have to go through that. I think that will give me more joy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It will give me more peace than I've ever had, knowing that they didn't have to, to go through those things. But on the flip side, if they do, you know, that we've tried to raise them to To do the very best. And if they get in trouble, that they know where to go. Um, and, but you don't have to, you know, the Lord can, Lord's been with people for years and they haven't never endured what we've, what we've had to go through. So um, it's all just a, a journey that we're on, but you don't have to face all the things that we do. Just stay rooted in how you were raised. And if you weren't raised, you know, to know God, then, Get your word, and you can you can have that relationship with them, so that would be my advice
2: um That's what I would say too is um know who you are because teenagers you're trying to figure out who you are you're become you're going from being a child to an adult, and it's an awkward in between stage there's a lot of changes things happening in your life, and I think for me, I didn't know who I was as a teenager, you know i didn't know who I was in God. And I think if you stay in your word and you stay um, in communion with God and just like emptying all this stuff out, because so much happens when you're a teenager and you need, a lot of times you don't feel like you can even tell your best friend some of the things that are going on. But if you'll come to God and you'll just share with him like, hey, you know, I feel this way or this is going on in my life or whatever. And you just pour your heart out, you know, every day to God and tell Him what's going on, He will, um, He will show you who you are and show you what you need to do, and you will be firm in who you are and who you are in God, and I think when you're that way, that you're not going to so easily stray from one, you know, you're not going to be trying to fit in with the cool kids, because you know who you are in God, and you don't have to be something that you're not, so that would be my advice to the young kids, so...
0: Um, one thing I, I do want to add, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you talk about you know people you surround yourself with, the people that influence. Surround yourself with good influences. No. you know, uh, good teachers, good you know your parents, you know good relatives, good friends. Everyone has that one friend that's a Christian somewhere. No. <laughs> go be around them. Go be around their family. Same thing. You know, get into the church and, and have have that good influence on your life. Uh, I had a teacher in high school tell me. If you hang around the dumpster long enough, you're gonna start smelling like a dumpster. Yeah. So True. it's it's to get away and and get that that positive influence in your life. And another thing, whenever I was a teenager, I heard the old folks tell funny stories about how they went out there and got drunk and got crazy. And I want I some of those stories, but it, from personal experience, it's not worth the shame I to have you. those to have those funny stories. And you don't even want to share them because you're you're just ashamed about what happened. And yeah. How you got to there, so so that kind of wraps up all the questions I had. Are there any closing remarks you'd like to want to share
1: no i'm I feel good that we've got to share it you know there's maybe it'll go out and this will touch people that would never come into church maybe you know- you never know what the Lord's gonna do, but i'm I'm thankful that we got to do this and and maybe it'll it it will it will help somebody. I, I I don't I'm a firm believer in that it's that God's word's not gonna go out and just be out there and not and, and not do the work that it was designed to do. And we we ain't got no plans to send it nowhere else or whatever, but somebody will somebody will hear it and um and it will it'll help somebody, but it's done good for me to for me to share tonight. So I'm thankful for that.
0: Any closing remarks? I believe
2: so. I've enjoyed
0: it. So let's close out with a word of prayer. Uh, Daniel, would you mind leading us in prayer?
1: Lord, we just come to you tonight thanking you, God, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to get to, get to sit down and, Lord, share your what you've done for us um, to whoever it's going out to, God. I, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for Andrew lord having a having a heart to do this um lord to lord i pray god that you'd bless him for it lord that um god that you'd give him the strength to keep going and, and keep doing whatever you you're leading him to do god and, and lord i thank you for where you've wrung me from god i i couldn't begin to thank you enough lord here tonight yeah. for all that you've done lord you've been so good to me god and i I pray tonight, God, Lord, that you would keep us, God, Lord, that you would lead and you would guide us, God, Lord, that you'd keep us in your will, God, Um, Lord, and I thank you for for my wife and everything that you've brung us through, Lord, and and given me somebody that's walked with me, God, Lord, through it all, and uh, I thank you for that, thank you for restoring our marriage and, and our relationship with each other, Lord, and I love you and I thank you for all that you do. Spirit's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.